a lot of times we compare our fitness now to where we were. Oh, we have yeah. to remember where you were maybe when you were that young. What responsibilities did you have? Do you have a chauffeur? Mm -hmm. Do you have a personal chef? Do you have a maid to help everything? <laughs> you know, you are now a functioning adult. So this concurrent training is going to look different. And that's why I wanted to emphasize that it is a lifestyle and that recovery now has to become part of that lifestyle. Hey there, welcome to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. I'm Brooke. And hello, I'm Iris. On this show, we challenge the common understanding of what it means and what it takes to be fit and healthy. We explore all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and mental health without the fluff and BS. So grab a coffee, get ready to laugh, cry, even learn a thing or two. Let's get into it. Hello, how are you? I'm fantastic, Iris. How are you doing? Doing great. Welcome back, everybody. Today on the line with us, we have Dr. Marie Witt, who actually, we went to the same college at the same time. We did. Completely different majors. <laughs> that was a different lifetime ago. I'm just, just saying. Uh, that was a dark time for me, let me tell you. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> But Marie, you are a physical therapist. Yes. Running coach. Yes. What am I missing? I think that I think it's a really good summary. I think that covers it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Great. <laughs> I mean, I like chocolate. I like ice cream. I like cake. Mm. So no normal human being. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what it is that you do and how you've got into this. Cool. So I am not what you call a crazy runner. I have not done marathons. I know, big shock. I may not do <laughs> marathons. Again, big shock. A lot of times some runners will say, oh, you haven't done that. So are you really a runner? But there's this whole other side of the running world that says, hey, I haven't done one either. And so mm -hmm. it actually becomes something we bond over and it kind of shapes the identity of running, blah, blah, blah. You needed to know that. Because when I first got into running, I hated running. I don't know how it happened. I don't know why it happened, but it did. <laughs> I was in high school and it was in Michigan. Okay. So late January, early February means bleak, dull, gray, cold, snowy, and dirty. Okay. Like it's just like gross. There's pretty moments. And then there's just like everything is sludge and bleh. So I don't know how I got brainwashed into going on a run with one of the, I didn't know, one of the top runners of like the, the teams, like cross country and track teams. Okay. She and another also top runner. They're like, yeah, come for a, a run with us in this really gross time in Michigan. I'm like, okay. I don't know how it happened, but it did. We go out, we come back middle of the run. I said, you guys take off. Like I, I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm, I'm going to wait till you come back. We come back together. I'm like, wow, that was so far. How far did we go? And they're like, I hate to tell you, but like, you did three miles, which is good. You did three miles, but we did six. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. But I'm like, you know what? Those are three miles I didn't do yesterday. So yeah, like, do you want to do it again tomorrow? And I'm like, I don't know if I'm that very fast. <laughs> and the point is I became really good friends with one of these girls. She convinced me to do track. She's like, please come to the dark side and do distance. And I was like, man, I'm going to sprint. I'm a terrible sprinter. I do not run fast. I, I don't know what I was thinking. But I was like, I'm going to sprint. Was terrible at it. Was like, I don't like this. Summer comes around. She's like, hey, do you want to do cross country? I, okay, sprinter who did 100, 200, 400 meters, 400 is quarter of a mile. Cross country is like three miles minimum for the race where you're sprinting the entire time. I don't know why I thought I could do this. 
But again, she brainwashed me into it. And it was a good time. Gotta love persistent friends. <laughs> like, you know what? It was, it was good for me, okay? It was, it was a good time. I am actually enjoying this. The people are lovely. The people are good. It is a running community. And that is like one of the things people fall in love with, with running. The beginning process is just sucky. It is terrible. Just like trying to get through the first mile, like I've never done this before, is awful. When you realize you're in the suck together, it's not so bad. I'm in the suck. It's, it's junior year of high school. And one of the requirements is I must take a strength and conditioning class. This is at like 9 a.m. in the morning, maybe 10 a.m. And part of this class is you are learning to lift. Like they're trying to help you do like fitness for life, which I greatly appreciated. They're also teaching you muscles and a lat pull down works your lats and a bench press is four pecs and squats and deadlifts are good for you. I'm like, this is cool. I really like this. Let's do more of this. So I'm having a fun time. I'm thinking, man, why don't we do this for practice? Like, I know we run, like, that's what we do is like, we literally run into the woods like banshees and we come out at the other end eventually. I'm like, but why don't we do this strength stuff too? So I bring it up in practice. Everyone's like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't do that. We are runners. We don't lift heavy things. Okay. Well, I have to do this anyway, like for school, like I need to pass high school. So I I guess I'm just going to keep doing this. Little did I know, this magical combination resulted in my strongest cross-country season at that point. <laughs> but I discovered concurrent training yeah. without knowing it. So it was the combination of strength and running that resulted in PRs after PRs after PRs that I didn't know I could hit. And I felt strong and I felt good while I was doing it. So that's that, that's the origin story of how I started loving running and lifting, even though it wasn't cool at that time. I love it. Well, I mean, the saying is, if you want to get better at X, you got to do X. If you want to get better at running, you got to run. If you want to get better at lifting, you got to lift. But they can play together and they can play together very well. And I'm excited to talk about this because I know we have some runners who listen. I am not a runner. That's okay. I have actually. (laughs) Marie's shaking her head at me. That's okay. That's okay. You don't have to be a runner. (laughs) I will say, though, I have more recently toyed with the idea of running a little bit just because, first of all, steps take time to get and if i could just go out and get it done Mm -hmm. (laughs) that'd make my life easier especially as coaches have a desk job most of the time but also i want to see because i did couch to 5k twice and did not know anything Mm -hmm. at all about anything i knew nothing about anything and i feel like it could have been way better if i did because i didn't know about pacing i certainly wasn't lifting. I was running because that's quote unquote what I had to do to lose weight. And I I didn't know any better. But I've been playing with the idea of going back to it and just seeing. But we shall see. (laughs) (laughs) But let's talk about that concurrent training because strength training can and we'd probably agree should support running. So talk to me a little bit about that. So let's keep with my, my little origin story here. Okay. So I was lifting in the morning and running in the afternoon. Concurrent training can look like this. Typically, when we hear about concurrent training, it means strength as some kind of cardio. It can also mean strength and then football practice or kayaking, whatever it is. The point is that they are two disciplines that are different, but you were doing them with the intention of complementing and supporting one of those goals. Kind of wordy, but does that make sense? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when this was happening, when I discovered this secret sauce, this was not in the scientific literature yet. Like this was not published. This was in its infancy of getting researched. And the, the reason why I bring this up is Iris and I both know there are fitness influencers out there that just pull stuff out of their booty. And we're like, where is this from? <laughs> I just, I just know things. That's not a reason, honey. They know you do yeah. not just know things. Okay. That's why I'm getting real sciencey because I want I want your listeners to know I'm not just pulling stuff out of my butt. <laughs> like, I'd be a really bad PT if that was the case. Let's fast forward to like this type of blended training was really only starting to come to the service in a research light around 2018. This is when I'm in my final rotation of physical therapy school, which is a doctorate program. Like whoop, it's like zoomed our past. Okay. <laughs> it took that many years. It took that many years for everything to finally come together. And even at that point, we don't know much still. My CI, which is the clinical instructor, like a PT mentor who's responsible for passing or failing me for this rotation, it's like no big deal. He says, hey, since you are a running person around here, what do you think about runners needing to strength train? Makes sense because it's a sports physical therapy clinic. We're seeing levels of athletes like six-year-old Johnny to Olympic hopefuls. So what do you think about this strength training and running thing? I am going purely off of personal experience of, yes, this is the best thing ever. We should do this. This is a a need to do. Based off just literally my personal experience and clinical reasoning. Now, I'm going to say I I do this before it was cool, but since 2018, now it's 2023, we're finally seeing more and more research coming out and supporting this. And that's what gives the everyday athlete like ourselves the chutzpah, the motivation to do concurrent training because it will help you reach your goals. Even if you're not a full-time athlete, you do not have to be a full-time athlete to do concurrent training. Just like what Iris was saying for herself or she's lifting, but she's also doing 10,000 steps a day. Like that, that is it. That is concurrent training. That is still the same thing. Yeah. I want to be very clear. I still do cardio. I just don't run right now. <laughs> That's okay. No, your cardio is how it looks for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you gave the example of lifting in the morning, running in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. How might that look for somebody who doesn't have time to do both on the same day, but still wants to work both of them together? Yep. So basically what I do right now, because I am not training for a specific distance. I don't have a specific race in mind. I am training for basically like my life, my lifestyle right now. So I have run days and I have lift days. And if I happen to have more time on one day and I have the motivation, I will do a short run and I will lift. But a lot of times we will get stuck into a all or nothing mentality where we have to go balls to the walls of, I need to do strength and I have to run a bajillion miles in one day. No, like these are stepping stones. These are stepping stones we take and it is a lifestyle you adopt. Like I said, for me, some days are strength days, some days are running days and that's okay. What about recovery? As you said, you're training for life, just general fitness. Mm-hmm. I mean, both lifting and running, you got to recover and you got to fuel for it. So mm-hmm. what does that look like when you're doing both? So the short answer for that is you need to have 
four to six hours between these two training sessions. Okay. That is the ideal time limit. Because we go back to my origin story of I lifted in the morning and I ran in the afternoon. The way those were spaced out, I was exactly either at that six hour mark or they're at seven hour mark. And that is why it works so well. But you can understand how I basically had one hour dedicated to strength in the morning and then an hour and a half dedicated to running in the afternoon. What adult, what functioning <laughs> adult has this kind of time right now? Okay. Going off on a tangent here, but something we need to know is a lot of times we compare our fitness now to where we were. Oh, we have yeah. to remember where you were maybe when you were that young. What responsibilities did you have? Did you have a mm-hmm. chauffeur? Did you have a personal chef? Do you have a maid to help everything? <laughs> you know, you are now a functioning adult. So this concurrent training is going to look different. And that's why I wanted to emphasize that it is a lifestyle. And that recovery now has to become part of that lifestyle. And those hours in between sessions are important. But when you are just training for life, something that we need to think about when it comes to recovery is also the readiness. Because we have a flip side. You have to be able to recover to train hard. You can can only train as hard as you recover. Mm -hmm. But how about we avoid the burnout cycle and we don't end up unready and we don't end up unrecovered. And that is something that is called perceived physical readiness. This is extremely important with any kind of workout regime and especially with concurrent training because you are placing a lot of load on your body. So how to safely do concurrent training and keep recovery in mind is to assess your readiness to work out on a daily basis. So again, perceived physical readiness, big fancy words for, are you stressed out of your mind or can you do this? Mm -hmm. So you check in with levels of soreness. You check in with overall increased fatigue levels. You adjust calorie proportions. Ding, ding, you probably need more. I had two breakfasts today. It was wonderful. Nice. Yeah. True hobbit. (laughs) Like a true hobbit. I had breakfast before (laughs) hot yoga and I got, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Yeah. So hungry. I put like a whole, like half a jar of salsa on my eggs. It was amazing. (laughs) So then you have to sleep. I made sure I tried to go to bed last night at a decent time. I roll around in bed, can't fall asleep. Okay. So proper sleep, perceived readiness. You got to monitor your stress. You have to have an honest conversation with yourself about your mental state. Is that ready? So let me leave that there. I talked a lot. Does that kind of answer the question? It does. I'm also curious, this is something I see a lot is, you know, fitness watches, right? Mm -hmm. That data can be good. Mm -hmm. A lot of them have like readiness, recovery, whatever, sleep scores on them. And I wonder what you think about this, because I think there's a balance of paying attention to that stuff and then also relying on it too much. Because like sometimes I'll have a stinky sleep score but I Mm -hmm. feel perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. And does that just goes back to checking in with yourself and how you feel? That's how I would do it. Exactly. When you have that little checklist I just ran through and you know, you are checking the boxes and you feel good. Okay. And this is something I I do a ton with my patients and with any kind of running client I have is this is data. One bad run is one piece of data. Like that's it. It is not indicative of an entire training cycle. It does not mean the world is going to end. So the same thing with any kind of fitness watches. It is just data. It is not your Bible. 
There is no easy manual or handout that anyone or anything can give you to say, yeah, here you go. This is how you life. This is how you work out. Going back to this is a lifestyle is you have to have the guts to actually truthfully, honestly check in with yourself and actually be transparent with yourself. Because like you said, Irish, you're like, okay, watch says my sleep was sucky, but I feel pretty good. I feel ready to go. You might get to the gym and you might get into your working set and be like, oh, this this weight's a bit much today. We're gonna we're gonna knock it down five pounds because we need to. But other than that, we can proceed. When it comes to the strength training side of things, how would you like structure strength training to support running performance? I'm so happy you asked this because I literally just finished creating a 16-week strength program for runners. My, my running fit fam helped me name it. It is called race ready. Nice. So it's made in light for the marathon runner because marathon training programs are typically 16 weeks on average, give or take a couple weeks. And marathon training is exactly what we've been talking about where it's a lifestyle of concurrent training, because if you, you can try to marathon train without strength training, but you are probably going to get injured. So how you lift iris is going to look different than how my runner will lift because it seems like i I don't know exactly where you are in your training block right now you were in a hypertrophy phase and then are you in maintenance are you still cutting i am in the last four weeks of this cut and then i am donezo (laughs) but i'm still i'm still doing hypertrophy work beautiful yeah so your lifts are going to look different based on your strength goals. If it's for example, Iris wants to be an Olympic weightlifter, or she wants to be a physique competitor, just depending on what she wants to do, her lifts will look different. That is the same thing for runners. While I have programmed variations of squats and deadlifts, I have also sprinkled in a huge amount of running specific movements, meaning like running specific lifts. So I this is my personal treatment and lifting philosophy is I want your lifts to look like running. Right? There's actual research to show if you train in positions specific to your sport, the translation of strength to your sport is better. Now, hypertrophy is hypertrophy. Muscle mass is muscle mass. Like You can either lift 100 pounds or you can't. But just because you can lift 100 pounds does not mean you can catch a football or run into the end zone or run a marathon. The objective outcome is you can lift hundred pounds. So for runners, I want their lifts to support their running because any runner can go into a gym and squat a, a back squat, or they can lunge or they can hinge in a deadlift. And that's not wrong. It's a place to start, but I want them to get as tactical with their strength work as their running training. And for runners, what they might not know is you also still need to lift heavy. Now, their heavy is going to be different than your heavy, Iris. Like they might not need to back squat X many pounds. They need to back squat at an RPE, a rate of perceived exertion of seven, eight, nine. And that might be what they work with instead of constantly trying to go up five, 10 pounds each week on, on the barbell or whatever. So their strength workouts are going to still be heavy. They're going to be 
probably a little bit shorter of like 25 to 30 minutes of lifting. Cause you got to go run for like an hour and a half still. And then just how many times a week is might also look different compared to a physique competitor, for example. This is super interesting to me because I'll be the first to say this is not my zone of genius. Um, (laughs) There are basics that I know and have worked with, but when it comes to the specifics, not my zone of genius. Totally okay saying that. When it comes to strength training and running, does it matter what you do first? Golden rule is run first, lift second. Mm -hmm. But going back to my origin story, I did the flip-flop and still benefited. The reason we run first as runners is that is our primary goal. We're just going to keep using physique competitors as as a bikini model, uh, bodybuilder, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say, because it's very obvious that their goal is not to run a marathon, Mm -hmm. right? As a runner, your goal is not to super duper hypertrophy and then super duper cut, but not lose muscle mass. Yes. Your goal is to run a super duper long time and not break. Like that is quite literally your goal is to not break. And you have to strength train to not break. The reason that it still quote worked was because of the time in between. Okay. It's that magical four to six hours in between. Now, talked about before, what functioning adult always has that kind of time available to them. So when you run first, that is your priority. You have checked the box on the true purpose of your training. You can then strength train afterwards. It would be nice if there was a break, but you can still strength train afterwards, but just be aware of something called the interference effect. So interference effect explains that the adaptation to endurance or strength performance may be hindered by the participation in other forms of training, meaning strength. Acute, meaning like immediate, acute interference effect. This relates to long running training sessions may blunt the protein synthesis response needed for strength hypertrophy gains for three to 12 hours after exercise, therefore compromising optimal strength development. It sounds like all hope is gone and you will never <laughs> make gains. Okay. This is quite Jim bro. Like walking up and like, you can't run and make gains at the same time. What we've described is acute meaning immediate interference effect. The insufficient intercession recovery time between running and lifting can affect anabolic stimulus from resistance training, meaning hypertrophy. The way we get around this is that four to six hour window mark. I'm going to say this so many dang times, it's going to be burned into everyone's <laughs> brain and they're not going to forget. If you take one thing away from here, that, that that's it. This four to six hour window between sessions quote, may alleviate the potential negative effects of subsequent sessions due to lessening the effect of reductions in neuromuscular function and strength, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So for somebody like me, who my main goal is to put on muscle mass and right now lose body fat, but eventually get into maintenance, would it be detrimental to go do my lift Mm -hmm. and then just come home and go for a jog before I eat or rest or anything. If I'm going to be a super duper strickler, I'm going to say 
you need to get that protein in within a 30 to 45 minute range first in order to kind of like protect the anabolic stimulus immediately begin protein synthesis and build muscles. Now, I'm going to assume that this jog is pretty leisurely. It's fall colors. You're like, the leaves are so pretty. It's nothing crazy. I'm going to assume it's like just 30 minutes just for fun to be out there. I'm not going to say that your muscles are going to fall off your body and you're going to become a stick. Like it's, it's physiologically, that's not going to happen. Does that mm-hmm. kind of answer the question? Mm-hmm. Cool. What about somebody who enjoys running, enjoys mm-hmm. lifting, and their main goal is fat loss? It's hard to answer because we don't want to look at running as a weight loss tool to the end extreme. Yes. Cardio burns calories, lifting burns calories. The point is muscles, using muscles and using them hard burns calories. Running can assist weight loss goals, but it is very difficult to train for any kind of endurance race, like maybe a marathon while trying to be in a calorie deficit because you will most likely crash and burn because you are asking your body to do a freaking crap ton of hard work while depriving it of building blocks, essentially of a means to build itself back up. So if there is a runner chasing weight loss, I'm going to assume for health reasons. Okay. Like They genuinely would like to do this for health reasons. That is probably going to be a time where they need to step back from specific race performance goals and work more on mostly calorie management because that can mean increasing as appropriately and decreasing as appropriately so that it assists and complements their lifting and running goals at the moment. Does that kind of make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's like pick your goal that's most important at the time and Correct. work at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's something we see all the time is people just trying to do too much at one time and something will suffer. All of it will suffer. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've made the same mistake before. You chase all the rabbits and you go home hungry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true, though. I remember this conversation probably like a year and a half ago now with somebody who wanted to train for a marathon and put on muscle and lose body fat. And I'm like, girl, you just got to pick one, pick one for a time, knock it out of the friggin' park and then pick the next one. It's you will burn out. You'll first of all, run in circles for what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And you're going to burn yourself out. That type of scenario most likely results in the runner getting injured because they are adding load which is stress. Not all stress is bad. There is good stress, but stress is stress. They are adding and adding and adding and adding physical activity in addition to the stress of a calorie deficit on top of that. And their body's going to be like, screw this. I'm out. We're getting injured. Like game over. We're done. Yeah. Hey, been there. (laughs) Yeah. I I think we've all done that accidentally. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we live and we learn though, right? We Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. make bad decisions and then we practice making different ones. Yeah, there will be times where I am training just like for life. Like I said, I'm like, man, why is this run so freaking hard? And I look back at what I've eaten for like the past, like that morning, the day before. And I'm like, oh, I didn't eat <laughs> enough. That would be why. And so I am 
that runner at the gym, like, because it was so, I'm in Alabama right now. It gets pretty hot and pretty sticky out there. I'm like, you know what? I don't want to run for an hour in 90 degrees and 90% humidity. It's just, this is not my cup of tea right now. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go run at the gym where it's air conditioning and it's lovely. And there's a movie, like cardio theater. So I'm going to go in there. We're going to watch Batman. It's very <laughs> inspiring to run while watching Batman. And I am popping gummy bears on the treadmill. And I'm like, I do not. I'm like chipmunk. I like gummy bears everywhere. Okay? Like, Because the point is for runners, there is a certain point where we have to fuel during our runs. Like we cannot shy away from that. And for the longest time I did, like, because that was not something really talked about, mm-hmm. especially not really talked about in a like high school or even college setting, because the distances are usually so short that it's not quite necessary. But you start tiptoeing into half marathon, marathon land, and all of a sudden you're out there for potentially anywhere from two and a half to four and a half, six hours, depending on how, just how, what your pace is. And do you really want to go six hours without eating? I don't. I don't when I'm not running. <laughs> yeah, when, exactly. I'm a hobbit. Like I like to eat every four hours. I don't need to, but I like to. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm running out there even for an hour, I'm packing a thing of gummy bears in my little my little belt and people are passing me like, is she eating? Yes, I am eating gummy bears on the trail and it's freaking amazing. <laughs> How do you judge that? I so, mean, as a hiker who does long hikes every once in a while, I'll just go by feel. Like if yeah. I start to feel depleted, I will eat something. But is there a general rule of thumb for longer runs? There is. And I honestly need to look more into this, but I know when I first started reading about this, the line of the sand was if you are sustaining activity for more than 90 minutes, because that is officially a long run, it's if it's 90 minutes. I'm like, I'm not running 90 minutes. I'm at an hour. So I don't get to, I don't deserve to fuel up. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, gosh, dang it. This long run sucks. But it's not a long run. It's only 60 no, no, for me. I finally made a decision. Like, you know what? 60 minutes is a long run for me. It means it's 61, then 62. And then 65 is fantastic. But like right now, this is my long run. And I started reading more and I saw another running coach say, you know what? You can actually start fueling before that. If you need to fuel at the 45 minute mark, yes, because I was going by fuel for the longest time. And I kept noticing on my watch over and over again, I would consistently start dipping down and losing energy around that 45 minute mark. And I was like, man, I wish I had my gummy bears. (laughs) <laughs> so I was like, you know what? One long run, I decided it's going to be an hour and I'm going to bring my gummy bears with me. I'm going to see what happens. It was so much better because I started eating gummy bears at 45 minutes. And then I decided on another long run, what happens if I start eating gummy bears at 25 minutes? That way I don't ever get to that point of this sucks. So I'm on the treadmill in the gym in front of everybody. And I'm just eating gummy bears while I'm watching my YouTube video on the treadmill. It looked ridiculous. But I'm like, this is amazing. I feel so much better starting to fuel. I'm only eating two. I can only fit two gummy bears in and not like throw it over my shoulder. I'm not very (laughs) coordinated when I run. Okay. So it has to be two gummy bears in the mouth. I go back four more. There is a process to this. At the 25 minute mark. And then I check and I'm like eight minutes and then 10 minutes. And just like you said, Iris, when you start to learn by feel what your body needs, fueling becomes very personal and that is okay because I have a lot of, not a lot, but I have a fair amount of GI issues. 
I find that Albanese gummy bears. I go to Kroger, I get the humongous bag of gummy bears, and that is my fuel. Because there's this other thing in fitness culture, which I think you'll agree, Iris, where we have to buy the expensive supplements. Uh-huh. And we have yeah. to buy it, right? Like who says we need, to, if you like protein powder, use it. If you don't need it, please eat your protein in the form of, I don't know, beans, eggs, steak, tofu, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Same thing with fuel. I love it. There's really no one size fits all. I mean, there's general practices and there's best practices, but it's such a personal thing, like all of it. <laughs> yeah. There's an umbrella of how it works. But then once we get into the more individual It's so individual. Mm -hmm. I'm always curious about breathing because Mm -hmm. I don't know how to breathe when I'm running. (laughs) So teach me how to breathe, please. Well, first step is don't hold your breath. (laughs) I kid you not. The first step is don't hold your breath while you're running because I I will have some patients and some runners do that. Honestly, you find a rhythm again it gets very personal which is fantastic but also annoying at the same time you're like can you stop being so vague give me somewhere to start okay <laughs> man this is a super old book but if you can even still find it i think some of the stuff is probably updated by now but i think it was called run tall run easy it's super old like one of my cross-country coaches gave cross-country coaches wow gave it to me and in there was a couple different breathing tools and that's the only reason why i'm bringing it up And one of the tips was to notice that your inhale was for two steps and your exhale was for three steps. And that could mean that you are at a relatively easy pace. If you start noticing your inhale and your exhale are for two steps, that you are now in a medium hard pace. Okay. Now that's pace related, but it can still be used as a breathing tool to remind yourself, okay, inhale, okay, exhale, okay, inhale, okay, exhale. And like what this does is just helps think your body and your breathing together. And it's one of those, just get out of your head because your body knows how to do this. Like Iris, your body was made to escape saber tooth tigers, like evolutionarily, like you were capable, I mean. I don't know how fast you are. You still might get eaten, but (laughs) on an evolutionary level, you are made to avoid these saber tooth tigers that want to eat you for dinner. So your body already knows how to do all this. And so we can give you these breathing tools, but it's only going to help if you let your body figure it out. Think about it, but please don't overthink it. Because if you overthink it, you're you're just going to hyperventilate the whole time. It's not good. Yeah, it's the same with strength training too, to a degree. And I see this a lot. People coming back from an injury is they're so worried about getting injured again. They're overthinking and overthinking. And then stuff gets tweaked because they're trying to compensate and like move in such a perfect way where there is, again, general best practices, but the individual body is so individual. Like there is no textbook perfect deadlift. Mm-hmm. There are best practices, mm-hmm. but like my back squat does not look like the textbook back squat. It's but just your is what deadlift it is. is beautiful. Thank. I probably I was like this is so pretty. Like I watched I'm the creeper, like not staring at Iris's butt on purpose. I'm like, what is such a pretty deadlift? Like there, there are PT things that just happen, like analyzing people's gait and just admiring Iris's deadlifts. I'm like, yes, 
<laughs> I wish mine was this good. Mine is not this good. <laughs> oh, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. What do you feel like we missed? Is there anything you really want to touch on? So going back to this whole thing is about concurrent training. Basically how to balance this and how to do it safely. So I am, I actually started this concurrent training journey, if we want to use our millennial words, probably in 2020, because I had a lot of time on my hands, like half the world did. And so I decided now is a great time to get back into running. And so I did, but I was feeling very weak. And I realized I really missed strength training. So I invested in a program like I, I, I am capable of writing my program, but there is something different about investing in a good one. And I love Abby DeGraff. Like she is, I, I want to be besties with her in real life. <laughs> she is a mom of four boys. This woman gets up at like 4.30 or something in the morning. And she's working out by 5 a.m. And like her stuff is hard. Like it is, it is good though. Like as a physical therapist, I'm looking at it functionally. I'm like, oh, that's so good. And she did a bear crawl this way. And then I've never done core work in a long seated visit. It was really cool. It was really cool. So her as a personal trainer to the human being, I'm like, yes, like, please. So I started that in 2020 and I realized I'm going to die if I do strength and running in the same day. So I will split those workouts and that is just fine. And it's only been this year and really the past couple of months. So now we're in 2023. I found out that there's hot yoga over at the gym. I'm like, oh, I miss doing yoga. So now I will couple a hot yoga day with a lifting or a running day. That way I am very slowly. And I remember like when I say running or lifting, it's, it's a shorter workout. I am trying to bookend. I'm trying to give myself that four to six hour window of time to gently, but objectively and consistently lengthen the amount of load, increase the amount of stress, physical stress that my body can handle without breaking. So what I'm trying to show is that this takes time and it takes grace and compassion for yourself. I don't know. Iris might be able to go balls to the walls and just be like, yeah, I can do everything in one day. Cool. I wish I could, (laughs) but I would break. I would die. This is a personal experience. This is a lifestyle. And if you don't give yourself the time and the compassion to work this into your life, not some fitspo person's life into your life. Okay. If you don't do that, you will burn out and you will hate your life. And that is not the point of fitness is we're never trying to use any of this as a punishment. Yes. Say it louder for the people in the back. Don't punish yourself. (laughs) I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) I'm so glad you said that. I feel like we talk about it all the time and hammer it incessantly, but that's because it's true. It's that fitness is supposed to fit into your life, not the other way around. It's not supposed to control it and become this obsessive claustrophobic thing. And was there ever a time in your life, Iris, where you were using running as a punishment for yourself? Oh, yeah. That's like the only running experience I have as of yet. (laughs) It's not a fun place to be and it's not sustainable. I'm guessing it probably didn't last very long. Mm-mm. Yeah. Finished the program, hated every second. <laughs> was, it, was it really worth it then? No, no. And that's part of why I want to go back and see, just see what happens. Yeah. It's because as a, com- like, honestly, <laughs> completely different person, completely different mindset. 
just to see what happens. So I was actually talking to my coach. I was like, maybe next summer when I'm not cutting and when I'm not bulking, just kind of living. Yeah. Maybe work in some running and just see what happens. Who knows? Maybe I'll fall in love with it. Maybe it'll become a thing. Maybe it won't. Who knows? And that's okay. If, If nothing else, you condition your body in a new way and you get stronger in a different way. Mm-hmm. And you find out, I hate running and I'm only going to hike. Cool, cool. Okay, you know what? <laughs> I love that for you. I want you to do that. I feel bad because everyone's like, you just want me to be a runner. No, I don't. If you don't like running, please don't be a runner. You can try. Please come to the dark side. We have cookies. But if you don't want our peanut butter chocolate chip cookies, then you're just going to have to stay with your vanilla whey protein in the gym. It's not going to be as tasty. But you know, like you, you can't. You are saying this to someone who had a chocolate chip cookie in the middle of her workout this morning. So <laughs> I am so jealous. That is the way to go. Had it in a zippy bag in my gym bag. But it's true. There's not one size fits all anything. There's so many. And I, this drives me crazy when I see people who talk about like, oh, I just don't like to exercise. It's like, well, there's something out there that you like. There has to be. This is my there husband we're talking about. I love him. I love him dearly. <laughs> I know he is an athlete deep inside because he loves skiing. I'm like, honey, you moved us to Alabama. I don't know what to tell you. Okay, <laughs> there are mountains, but there is no snow. He's like, oh, I should, I should work out. I should move more. Okay. So came to the gym a couple of times. Like, oh, it's terrible. I hate it. I'm like, then don't, then don't come to the gym. Like, if I told him, like, you like biking, try a spin class. Very meh. Okay. He likes lifting. He tried, but he was intimidated by the lifter bros out there. I'm like, I don't blame you. This past weekend, we went to one of the mountains that's right around. We went hiking. He's like, this is awesome. This is so cool. Good. I'm so glad. Let this be your thing then. Like your fitness is personal. It doesn't have to be one thing. Personal and hugely goal related. Mm -hmm. And if you you never want to get jacked, I don't care. This is what I say all the time. And I'm sure you've heard it, Marie, is like, I don't care what you do. I just want you to know why you're doing it Mm -hmm. and what purpose it's going to serve in your life. And once you nail that out, I feel like the whole world opens up. And once you're honest about that, once you're really honest about what you really think you're going to get out of whatever you're doing, it's like the whole world opens up and there's a lot less stress involved. That is like one of the hugest things on my account, on my blog and any of the content. And that's why it's probably not super popular because I'm actually telling you why I'm actually explaining this exercise. I am not just a account of a bajillion and one exercises to fix all the problems in the world. Like you said, Iris, if you don't understand why, now this is probably an internal why versus a external, this is why this exercise works for you. Why? But if you don't have those, it's just random Google searches on the internet. An AI can put together a workout program for you. And it can be absolute garbage. It could be a fire dumpster catastrophe. But you don't know that if you don't know the why. And that's why I've loved the videos that you've put out. And that's why I love teaching in my content because it empowers the athlete to understand why they're doing it and how it helps their body. Yeah. Internally and externally. Yeah. And the mental resilience that you get from just showing up and doing hard things. Mm-hmm. That was one thing that I realized we went skiing this past January and we were in Utah. Then we get, it was cold and I didn't like it. And it 
we were there for at least a week. I can't remember how long we were there for. The point is I had to willingly get out of the nice warm house onto the windy mountain and then speed down the hill at like 30 miles an hour, like with the winter, like holy <laughs> frick, it's cold, but this is supposed to be fun and exhilarating, which it was. But what I took away from that experience was when we got back to Michigan and I was running and it was probably February, very end of January, beginning of February. And it was raining and it was cold. Because I had spent so much time on the freaking windy mountain, the cold did not bother me in Michigan. I had built a mental resilience that I didn't know I had so sorely lacked until Mm -hmm. I deliberately put myself in a very difficult situation. I was terrified of being on a really tall mountain too. It was really scary. So the husband (laughs) skis very fast and I am very slow. So I'm like, wait for me. So mental resilience on many different levels, which then carried over into running, which then carried out into this humongous life move from Michigan across the country down to Alabama. So like this mental resilience you build, not just from running, but working out, doing hard things, choose your hard, will then carry over into all these other parts of your life. And we have solved the world's problems. The end. (laughs) I wish I could bottle that and just give it to people, but we would be millionaires, Iris. Yeah, dude. (laughs) Wouldn't learn anything, but we'd be rich. (laughs) We'd be rich. (laughs) Oh man. Well, this has been great. Thank you for letting me pick your brain. Absolutely. Tell the good people where they can find you, follow you, get your program. Yes. Please, please come hang out with me on Instagram. I am Dr. Whitfit almost anywhere. So on Instagram, Dr. Whitfit, on YouTube, also Dr. Whitfit. Guess what my website is called? Dr. Whitfit. <laughs> I know. Keep keep it consistent. If you want all the running goodness, it is Instagram and it is my website. All the answers you could ever want for anything on my website. The Race Ready 16-Week Strength Program for Busy Marathoners that is designed to help complement your running and strengthen you so you can achieve your fastest, bestest, strongest race ever. We're not illiterate today. Best marathon yet. That is probably by the time this drops, it will be in beta testing and it will become available hopefully beginning of 2024. Very cool. I have a handful of BFF challengers and clients and listeners in mind. So Y'all better be listening. Also, I can send you a link over the the DMs or the emails. I have a free strength guide for runners. That way, if they want somewhere to start, they just take the free stuff, do the thing. Awesome. Take the free yeah. stuff. So I'll, I'll put I'll that, that all that in to the you. show notes. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. If you enjoyed the show, let us know by writing a review, subscribing wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find me, Iris, on Instagram at Iris Deadlifts. And you can find me, Brooke, on Instagram at Get You a Brooke. We'll talk to you soon. Nice. Nice. <laughs>